Hi, beautiful people. Welcome to the first episode of Embracing Enough, and I'm so glad you're here. So let me give you the rundown of how this is going to work. This first season has been organized into three segments, all of which cover a particular theme related to confidence and worthiness. Each segment includes four episodes that unpack the different some different dimensions of each theme, right? We'll hear from different women who are brave enough to share their stories with us. And I promise you, they're going to challenge us, they're going to teach us, and undoubtedly inspire. So this episode kicks off the first segment where I've decided to talk about adolescence. We're going to talk about everything from how we see ourselves the story we're telling to ourselves and to the world, and how it influences who we are today. So let's get started. I'm going to give you a firsthand look at what the struggle to confidence looked like through my eyes. So here it goes. Young Dina. Do you know that studies show that a girl's confidence peaks at age nine? Nine. Isn't that insane? Between the ages of eight to 14, girl self-confidence falls by 30%. And in an even shorter amount of time, from ages 12 to 13, the number of girls who report feeling like they're not allowed to fail rise from 18% to 45%. That's a 150% increase. These statistics scare the hell out of me. I mean, when you think about it, girls' confidence is plummeting at a staggeringly faster rate than boys between the teenagers. And of course, puberty doesn't help. It's an extremely turbulent time for everyone. But the drop for girls is significantly lower. I mean, when you take into consideration feeling insecure about your body, popularity, intellect, and even athletic ability, they all contribute to this ideal breeding ground for chronic insecurity. Oftentimes, I wonder why this confidence gap starts to emerge so early for girls. What is that about? Many people grow up in an environment where messages of not good enough were communicated, right? I mean, it could come from parents, siblings, family members, teachers, peers, or even other individuals that girls look up to. Some of these messages are explicit, sure, but others are so subtle, sometimes to the degree that a girl isn't even aware that something wrong is happening. Lately, Ever since launching Enough Labs, I have been absolutely obsessed with pouring over anything that discusses the confidence gap that emerges with girls. And on a regular basis, I find myself reflecting back on my own experience. A couple of months ago, I actually found myself falling down a rabbit hole (laughs) as I was reading through my old journals that I kept as a teenager. Some entries made me laugh, like the day I described in vivid detail my very first slow dance. And other entries made me ache, like the countless times where all I could talk about was how unsure I was and how I didn't know if anything I was doing was right. And some of the entries I read brought me to literal tears. 
It's like I wanted to jump back in time and almost shake her and tell her, listen, girlfriend, you are fierce and stop letting the world tell you that you're not. And stop being so apologetic for the love of God. You have nothing to be sorry for. Let me paint the picture. I'm the oldest of three, half Cape Verdean and half Italian, and 100% confused of where I fit in at the time. I grew up in suburban Massachusetts in the North Shore, and growing up in a small town in Massachusetts where everyone looked and dressed the same, had more money and seemingly better circumstances than I felt I had to work with, I was so unsure of where I really fit in and whether I was enough in so many ways. I was self-conscious for sure. During my teenage years, I hadn't quite mastered how to style the curly hair that I love today, which turned out to be, at the time, more frizz than fabulous. I had a curvy frame, waist and chest that never felt quite right, and a mouthful of braces. I remember starting to become painfully aware of the discomfort I felt in myself as I would navigate between those teenage years. I remember feeling uncomfortable at times to speak up in class, to try new things that I had never done before, and mostly to fail. I feel like something that kicked in full force during those years was this sense of overthinking, people-pleasing, and perfectionism, which, when you think about it, can all grind your confidence to a screeching halt. Growing up, I wasn't super athletic, but I found myself trying to fit in with sports as a way to belong. I dabbled in one thing after another, softball, volleyball, even gymnastics. All were disasters. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine a short and curvy girl getting ready for her floor routine on the gymnastics meet with some amateur music and an inability to do anything but a somersault? Sure, I could dance, but a gymnast I was not. I still recall the days that my dad would come to the meets and other parents would ask, oh, which one is your daughter? And he would awkwardly try to change the conversation and allude to the fact that he was just there to watch. His daughter was, in fact, the one scoring a 4.3 out of 10, barely contributing to the team. I don't blame him. It was a disaster. But for years, I internalized the idea that I was not good enough. But I also struggled to figure out where it came from exactly. From an early age, I believed that something was inherently wrong with me, and it set me apart and made me feel less than. And on top of it all, I displayed this desperate affinity for overachievement. The pressure to succeed and achieve was innate. If there was a club or extracurricular activity, I was there for it. French club needs a president? Sign me up. Run a candy gram fundraiser? Don't worry. I got it covered. I'll make it happen. Volunteers needed for a community service initiative? Count me in. I was overscheduled and felt that the only way I could succeed was through proving the sense that I could juggle it all, excel, impress. And then there was my family. While we were struggling with our own set of challenges brought on by divorce and my dad's addiction, I placed these impossible expectations on myself to please the adults around me. I told myself, you sure as hell aren't going to have them worrying about you. You will be perfect. All of this is to say that for me, throughout my adolescence, I felt like in order to get to a place where I was on par with others, I had this deep-seated feeling that I needed to compensate and prove myself worthy. But in the process, I didn't feel worthier. All I felt was sheer exhaustion. 
I grew up in the 90s. And as a teenager growing up in the 90s, the world gave us girl power. I mean, I grew up idolizing these self-actualized, confident women who were celebrated in pop culture and mass media. I mean, you had Spice Girls, Missy Elliott, Madonna. We had this epic women-centered fiction or chick lit. Movies like Bridget Jones' Diary, Remember What Women Want. It was all there, (laughs) screaming at us constantly. And it definitely influenced who I saw myself wanting to be. These pop culture icons, especially in music, had definitely co-opted this girl power train, right? I mean, it all reinforced these central notions of autonomy, pleasure, and self-determination, but in very complicated ways. As a a teenage girl, I had no idea how to navigate these newly defined parameters that I was seeing play out in pop culture, telling us that we were in control. Were we really? I, I couldn't make sense of it all. I mean, don't get me wrong. Let a 90s song come on, you will likely hear me belt it out, solo or with my girlfriends. And a flood of memories will rush over me. But in the moment, it just wasn't that simple to just embrace being confident, to take on risk, and to not fear failure. And mostly, the 90s music was not helping drown out that negative soundtrack in my brain. I I can't help but wonder, can confidence actually be nurtured? Sure, people that teenagers look up to play a huge role in nurturing their confidence. But I think what tends to be overlooked is that the person most responsible for nurturing your confidence is you, right? But I think young girls simply just want to be heard, to be cheered on, to be acknowledged. Maybe we were getting it, but weren't willing to see it or... Maybe we weren't getting enough of it. When I think back, I just wished I had someone who had told me that where I needed to begin was inward. I wished someone could have reached in when I felt like I had nothing to offer and remind me that all I really needed to focus on was just learning to love myself. And I wished I had someone to tell me that my true value and worth would certainly not be gained by doing more for others and forgetting myself in the process. When I look back, you know, I think that despite being pulled into that dark underbelly of self-doubt and low confidence, it has taught me so much about myself. While I loathe how long it has taken me to crawl out of it, I think that it allows me to understand the complicated struggles that women and girls face even better because I've been through it. And I know it's the very fire that propels me to want to do this work with women and girls on their own self-discovery journeys. Listen up. The confidence gap for girls is real and fighting it is going to require taking some huge risks. 
if I've had a conversation with you over the last several months, most likely my launch of Enough Labs and the literal obsession I have with girls' struggle with confidence has worked its way into the conversation. It's because it consumes me. No, seriously, it's all I think about. And it's not just girls that I'm concerned with. I'm concerned for the women we grow up to be. Think about it. If you learned at an early age that you were not enough something, the effects could be long-lasting. Left unaddressed, not feeling enough whatever can follow you well into adulthood. Now, I can't be the only one who feels like this. In fact, I know I'm not. (laughs) Not feeling good enough as a young girl ushered me right into adulthood, being this frantic people pleaser who self-sacrificed, frankly, for longer than I really want to admit. And why? Because in taking care of others, I taught myself that it was best that I repress my true needs, emotions, and preferences. Trust me, no fun there. Again, the exhaustion. You know, my mom would oftentimes use these long car rides that we were on to run errands to go on and on with life lessons. And one I recall her bringing up pretty regularly was, can't is not a word. To which I would look at her oddly and think to myself, um, it is most certainly a word. I use it all the time in my head. I can't really symbolized my fear of failure. Oh, but I fought it in my head whenever she'd bring it up every time. I resisted the idea that everything was possible because I could only see limitations. And I realized years later that this was her way of encouraging me, encouraging me to show up and believe that anything was possible. Well, you know what? My greatest wish for young girls is to know just that, that they can. I just want them to tap into their own fabulous and fierce selves and not by overdoing, overworking and overthinking. No, I want young girls everywhere. Hell, I want all of us to simply embrace feeling enough. I'll see you next time, love.